0: Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. Uh, so if you guys want to get up out of your seats and give a really crazy warm welcome for Pastor Jeremy Donovan. Thank you guys. Thank you so much. Man, it's good to be here. Cool tattoos, thank you. Um Man, you guys impressed me like crazy. I don't know where the worship band went, but oh, they're right there. You moved. You were behind me and then you moved up front. Okay. I was looking for you. Did you see me turn around and stare at you like I had a little man crush on him a little bit because he did the he did the, the punk rock worship. I like that. Tell me your name again. Cameron. I love it. And you know, I, I get to travel quite a bit. And um get to see a lot, and it's very rare that you see a church with their own DNA, I guess you'd say, you know. Um, I got to sit with Russell. Do you know who Russell Evans is? If you heard of Planet Shakers? He, uh, yeah, he, awesome, awesome worship, and he told me one time, and I'm still, I'm trying to do it with our youth group, but he said, he said, people get upset with me when I come and plant a church. In their city, because all of their people quickly come over to my church. And he said, I don't understand why they get upset, though, because they've been singing our heart to their people for years because we sound like them. We sing their words. We sing. And so I just feel like I was supposed to tell you, man, that you have your own sound. And I hope that you're writing music because I feel like for this to go to the next level, it has a lot to do with the worship band. And when you begin to sing your heart and not other people's heart. You know what I'm saying? Like when the when the words come from your heart, it's gonna take this place to a, to the next level. So I pray that I get to hear a Thrive Worship album in the next few years. And don't, because um, I'm telling you, like the rock aspect, I, y'all were banging your heads. I haven't seen that since the '90s. I mean that that was incredible. I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I I grew up in Philadelphia, but I was one of those big. I like the rock and roll. You know what I mean? So. I don't know. Maybe I'm weird. I I know I gave some Bible verses, um, but as I was sitting here praying, I actually changed everything. So I hope, uh, and and I got to. Who's heard me at YFN before? Is there some YFNers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and uh, so I'm sure a lot of you have. And a lot of times people are like, "You man, come give your testimony." But what I'm starting to learn is across the nation, even I'm like, people are like, "I've heard your testimony," and I'm like, "Oh, I can't do that anymore. I have to preach." And so, um. But I'm going to preach to you, but I also, I'm going to, I want to tell you a little bit about my story, you know, but um, I just felt like, I don't know, this is actually, I haven't preached this yet, but really, but God has had this on my heart for about six months, so I want to, I feel like it's for us, maybe, is that cool? So, all right, so, um, man, when I was a kid... I grew up like, like, like they said. Pastor Nathan said. And by the way, the Holler family, I love you guys. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I saw. You can tell a Holler, but you guys are legends, man. It's an honor to be at this pulpit. So thank you for for having me. I love the Holler family. And Pastor, would you give it up for your youth pastor? I mean, seriously, <laughs> Pastor Nathan, unbelievable. Um, so, anyway, yeah, I, I've been in Dallas. I'm in South Dallas, and I feel like we should be friends because we're literally on opposite ends of the city. So, if we're friends, maybe we can, like, meet in the middle and just save the whole city. Amen? So, um, but I'm in Cedar Hill, which is which is literally the exact opposite of the city. I mean, it's just uh, of Dallas. I, I, do you guys consider yourself Dallas? You're, praise the Lord, no more construction in McKinney. Amen? Yeah. Woo! That was like 12 years on that highway. I mean, literally, it was unbelievable. I'm like, this must be a union job. These guys are taking forever. Um, anyway, um, no, but it's, I grew up in Philly, and, and I grew up a pastor's kid. Uh, I left the church for a long time, but, uh, you know, we were really, really poor. My dad was one of those pastors It was like, uh, he, he went places, I called him a Star Trek. Does anybody like Star Trek? two of you and me. All right. So, um, but anyway, you know, I call him a Star Trekkie because he'd go where nobody else would go. And so we'd go into these inner city churches. um, And we were in an inner city church in Philadelphia for most of my life. I spent a few years in Louisville. And you know, you've lived in Louisville. If you say Louisville, if you're not from Louisville, you say Louisville. Uh, So, but I spent spent four years in Louisville, uh, but all inner city. And my dad, we were broke, man. Like, Completely broke. Like I, I, can't even tell you how broke we were. Like my wife doesn't even understand some of the things I love to eat because she's never been broke like I've been broke. You know, like the other day I made sloppy joes. And you, you know, anybody loves sloppy joes. I'm a foodie. Yes. And so, I, when you're broke, you take the sloppy joes and you don't. My wife's like, I've never had a sloppy joe without a hamburger bun, and I'm like, that's because you're spoiled. You know, Uh, like we we used to just get regular bread because we couldn't afford the hamburger buns. You know what I mean? And then then we'd put the potato chips on top and make a big sloppy Joe salad. And just if you've never had sloppy joes with potato chips on top, you're missing out on the world. Okay, Um, but yeah, I mean we I had the. Does anybody know what a bogo is? Bogos. Nobody. Bogo was famous back in the day. They would make fun of you. I didn't get the J's. The J's were popular when I was a kid too, but I had Bogos. Bogos were um, buy one, get one free at Payless. Okay. That's what, that's what I had. It was Bogo, buy one, get one free. We lived in the Sunday school rooms at the church because we couldn't afford a house. So we literally lived in the Sunday school rooms. I would roll out of bed and people would come in and go to Sunday school in my room. It was weird. Um, still to this day, and I can't find it anywhere, but still to this day, because they've changed it. But back in the day, we, you would actually go wait in what they called a welfare line, and you would wait for hours in this line, and you'd get milk and cheese and all that. And I'm telling you what, y'all have never had cheese until you've had government cheese. So I'm just telling you the truth. I mean, the government cheese is unbelievable. I mean, it makes, I can't even tell it. It it like, and it's weird though, it's not like real cheese, like it comes in a really long block, you know, and you can literally bend it (laughs) and like make sculptures out of it and everything. I don't know why they do it though, I think it's so it can spend years in like government, but it's like, it's just weird, but it's the best cheese, it's like Velveeta, but from heaven. I mean, I don't even know how else to explain it, it's just the best cheese ever. And uh, I wanted to read to you from the Bible this this interest it's in judges chapter seven. has anybody heard of Gideon? anybody heard of Gideon yeah and uh this this has been just like messing me up, man. But let's let's read a little bit of, of the Gideon story. And if you turn in your Bibles or on your phone, I'm, I'm one of those pastors, I get it. You have Bibles on your phones, so feel free to use your phone if you want to, um, you know, and and as long as you're in the Bible. The good, good thing I teach my teenagers, I'm a youth pastor before I travel and speak, but always put your Bible app next to your Facebook and Twitter app or your Snapchat app, all that. I have it all right there. So I read my Bible app at least one verse before I read a status update. So that's just a good little advice. You know what I mean? Because how many of you know reading a Bible verse is more important than reading somebody complaining about something in the world? So, um, so yeah, that's. I just always I've made it a rule, and it's helped me. I just say I'm gonna read one Bible verse before I go to social media. You know, and uh, it's pretty cool. So uh, the Bible app or whatever you want. But all right, Gideon. I'm sorry Gideon's already it's in Judges chapter 7 verse 8 is where I'm going to start Now the camp of Midian lay below him in the valley During the night of the, during the night the Lord said to Gideon get up and go against the camp because I'm going to give it into your hands If you are afraid to attack go down to the camp with your servant and listen to what they are saying Afterwards you will be encouraged to attack the camp. So he and Purah, his servant, went down to the outposts of the camp. The Midianites, which was his enemy, and the Amalekites were all over, um, sorry, and all the other eastern people had settled in the valley like thick as locusts. Their camels could n- no more be counted than the sand in the seashore. That's a lot of people. Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. He said, I had a dream. He was saying, a round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck it. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, this can be no other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given him, the Midianites, and the whole camp into his hand. When Gideon heard When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and worshipped. Now listen, this is pretty interesting because God says to, to Gideon, Okay, I want you to take your army and go take out these people. And there's so many of them. There's like, you ever been outnumbered? Or like, you, you, I used to try to, people say, are you a fighter? You're from Philadelphia. I was a skinny white kid in Philadelphia. I know how to run. I don't know how to fight. Like, I just run really fast. Not anymore. <laughs> I used to run, um, but I don't run any, I'm 37 and still a youth pastor. Can you believe that? that I mean, come on. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, I have a lot of problems. I had a brain aneurysm when I was younger. So now my kids in the youth group, they're picking on me today. I had a baby shower. I have two kids, but I have one on the way. We had our baby shower today. Can you believe that? Unbelievable. My wife still thinks I'm hot. And so, um, but yeah, she's having a baby in two months. I'm 37. (laughs) Y'all may say it was great. When she came home and said, baby, I'm pregnant. I'm like, no. (laughs) How did that happen? (laughs) That was a joke. Um, I know how it happened. Um, But anyway, um, so God speaks to Gideon. He says, go, you're going to win. Go, you're going to win. I know you look outnumbered. I know it looks scary. I know who you think you are, but I have spoken over you. Go, you're going to win. Now, how many have ever heard from God something in you've You've had a dream that's just kind you're like, I I want to do that with my life. I feel like if if I could do anything for God, it would be there and that. Anybody ever have a dream from God and you're just like, I could do that? Or anybody's have a dream? Maybe you're like, I don't even know if it's from God. I just have a dream. You know what I mean? Like, you want to be a dancer. Yeah, you know what I mean? He broke the world record tonight. For how many minutes? Not huh? Hundred 160 consecutive dancing moments. It's amazing. <laughs> we don't really know if that's a world record, but we're going to say it, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. So it's the McKinney world record, so there. Um, but God speaks to Gideon, but Gideon Now, I've been there. I've been there because because God said to me when I was in rehab, he said, uh, Jeremy, I want you to go be a pastor. (laughs) And I'm like, I heard it. You know what I mean? Like, you hear it in your heart. And and let me explain. You see, I was a pastor's kid that went totally insane. At 16 years old, I moved out of my house. I left the church. I became a really, really crazy drug addict. I mean, you want to talk about crazy, they literally, some people are like, what do you mean by crazy drug addict? I was in seven mental institutions, okay? From 16 to 21, I was in seven mental institutions. And this is what I've learned. Crazy is good. Does anybody remember the duck? Can anybody do the duck with me? Nobody? You remember the duck? Okay, this is the duck. I'll teach you guys. It's really fun because I've learned that crazy can be good. Crazy can be really good. So this is what I mean because I know we've all been there before when you're walking down the hallway in school and you see somebody waving at you, you know what I'm saying, and you're like, oh, man, I'm so popular right now, you know, and you see him waving, and you just, you just wave back. And then you realize they're not waving at you. you know, you've been there. And you're like, oh man. And so this is what I've learned. When I do something stupid like that, I just outweigh it with crazy, you know? Because nobody's stupid in the room, but we all do stupid things. And so I just literally outweigh it with crazy. So they're waving, and I'm waving back, and then they start making fun of you like, ah, he thought he was, well, I was waving at him. And so I do the duck. This is what it is. This is this will get you out of any stupid situation. Literally just take your hand. Go ahead. Take your hand. Put it out like this. Take your hand. Put it out like this. It's okay. Yeah. Take your hand. Now you just take it and you put it on your forehead. And when you do something stupid, you just look at the person. You just go, like that. And it it changes. I just call it the duck. It changes the whole situation. Like they're waving and they're making fun at you and you just like that. And they're just like, whoa. Best friends. Yo, nice to meet you. It's so good to see. You know, and all of a sudden they're good friends with you. People are afraid of crazy people, you know. And so you just... You just change it up a little bit. I mean, it even works. I mean, you could just be crazy, but because people think Christians are crazy, do you know people think Christians are crazy? And so, this is what I teach my daughter. Um, I tell her to be crazy when she gets older. I have we we've adopted a daughter. She's nineteen, and she's she's my Mexican daughter. We we adopted her when she was sixteen, and then my daughter, my my biological daughter, is ten. And I tell them, I say, listen, this is going to help you girls. I said, listen, someday there's gonna be what I call somebody I want to kill. Okay? This is what I call a teenage boy, okay? And these these teenage boys are gonna try to take you, I don't know, let's say the prom, you know, or something like that. Or they're gonna try to take you on a date or or to church. Yeah, I know what y'all are doing. And so, no, I'm just kidding. But um, and I always tell them, just just, if they ever try to get you alone in a car or anything like that, don't try to explain to them anything. They think Christians are crazy, so, you know, they don't want to, so if you're a girl in this room and some boy tries to get you alone, he's like, hey girl, I love you. All you do, this is all you do, hey girl, I love you. Just turn away from the boy, turn away from the boy, turn away from the boy and just begin to speak in tongues as loud as you can. Okay, and just, just go with it. I mean, literally, it cha- it'll change everything. It'll change the entire, a- lay your hands on him. In the name of Jesus, heal this boy. And, and like literally, he won't, even, he won't even know how to argue. He'll oh, come on, okay, let's pray, let's pray. I mean, we don't even know what to do. And so crazy is good, you know, but, but honestly, um, you know, telling people I was in a mental institution, Man, it was, it was embarrassing. You know, when, I, when I, was in the, I was in my seventh mental institution, that's where I got saved, and then they sent me to a rehab in Florida. I had about a $400 um, a day drug addiction. Was, I was addicted to cocaine, and, and I had all kinds of crazy things in my life. Um, all the stuff that came with drugs came with my life. At 19 years old, I became a teen father. I have a son who was born on my 19th birthday, And I was such a bad person that they actually took my son from me, the government did. I haven't seen my son in 17 years. He turned 18 just last September. I'm still praying God restores that in my life, but it was just... All of these things. And, and so when I travel and I preach to young people and I talk to them about sin and, and you know, we hear grace. And this, listen, there is a grace of God. That's why I stand before you today. But there's also consequences for your choices, which I still deal with today. Does that make sense? And so you have to be careful with your choices. And I chose this lifestyle. And, and, and I remember the day that my son was born, I, I, I heard people from the church tell me things like, you're not good enough. You've messed up way too bad now. You've messed up way too bad. And by 21, um, I was doing so many drugs, I was actually walking through um, the mall one day, and um, I passed out <laughs> right in front of Victoria's Secret. It was, it was so embarrassing. People were like, what did he see? <laughs> you know, and, and it was just like, Man, and I woke up, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, what's wrong? And people are like, they called the, they, we called the ambulance, and, and I'm like one of those guys. I'm like, I don't want to go to the hospital, so I'm like, I'm fine. And I got up, and I walked to my car, and I passed out again. Pfft. And and uh, when I was in my car, I don't know how long it was, but I woke up, and I had throw up all over me. And uh, when I passed out, it was in the middle of the afternoon. It was nighttime when I woke up, so I don't know how long I was out. But at that point, I said, you know what? Maybe they were right. Maybe I should go to the hospital. And so drove myself to the hospital, and I had a brain aneurysm. Um, the, if you don't know what a brain aneurysm is, it's, it's literally where the blood vessel in your head explodes. Pfft. And so um, they, they had to go in and do brain surgery. I'm, I'm, to this day, I'm peripherally blind. They, this is what happened. Um, they said, we got to do brain surgery. A lot of people are like, you're bald. I'm like, thanks. Is anybody scared of bald people? My wife tells me she's scared of bald people. It's a thing. I don't know. I, there's literally a fear of bald people. Did you know that? And so, um, and so, and I'm like, that's not fair because I, I didn't choose this way. This just happened, you know. Just fell out one day. Um, I took really good care of my hair, too, as a young person. And, and it, just, it was just rude. Every day I'd get up and, like, two or three more giving up on me. And I'm like, you guys are jerks, man. Just giving up on me like that, you know. Um, And, but they say, you're bald, you have brain surgery, where's your scar? And uh, literally what they did was they actually went up through my leg um, with a microscope through my heart into my brain, and they tied off a part of my brain with platinum coils. Um, It's pretty crazy. And so when people are like, where's your scar from brain surgery? I'm like, okay. (laughs) No, (laughs) I would never do that. Um, You know? And a lot of times people are like, you know, I, I deal a lot with like kids that want to be gangsters, you know. I say I always tell people there's nothing worse than a suburban gangster, you know. And so, it's just these kids that are like driving their pa- parents' BMWs and they're like, what's up? And I'm like, you're nothing. Um, uh, you know. <laughs> um, but anyway, you know, and I'm always like, you think you think little Wayne's gangster with his platinum grill, you know. <laughs> like, I got a platinum brain. <laughs> there's nothing on that. And so, I tell my wife, too, I'm always like, hey, baby, um, when I die, I'm a youth pastor. If you know anything about youth pastors, hey, man, buy us dinner. We don't make money, you know. And so I'm like, when I die, there's platinum in there, girl. That's like, that's your life insurance policy. You go dig that out and pawn that. Like, don't, don't let them bury that platinum. You know what I'm saying? Like, get that is your life insurance. That's what's going to let you go for at least a month before you have to get remarried. And, and uh, you know, it's just like, because she's, my wife's younger than me. I don't know if you know that about me either. My wife's young. She's seven years younger than me. Yeah. So, uh, when I graduated high school, my wife was in the sixth grade. Uh, don't say, is that too far? That was weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I, I literally, and this is a crazy thing because my parents are good people. I literally made all of these choices that completely destroyed my life. And, and you know, there's reasons behind it. There was pain in my life. There was things that, that, that I dealt with that, um, you know, that came out later on in life that I was so angry about. People always said, why were you why were you?" Um, such an angry kid, a drug addict. And, you know, when I was younger, I was molested as a kid, and I never told anybody about that. And it was just this pain, and I just felt like from, from all of that, I was trying to numb myself as a person. And, and, and I, I just, I didn't believe that God would actually care for a person like me. And when I was sitting in that rehab in Florida, and I said, God, I really have nothing left. I mean, I, I was in Florida. I had one pair of jeans and two t-shirts. That's all I had in my life. Everything else had been taken. I was beat up. I mean, the choices of that lifestyle will beat you up. Still to this day, I'm peripherally blind, so I can't see. I can only see straight ahead. I'm blind on both sides. The kids in my youth group think it's funny. They throw balls at my head and stuff. I'm like, you're literally picking on a blind guy. Like, that is that is rude. Um, and when I was reading this, it hit me with Gideon... I thought, okay, so he heard from God, but God was like, "Okay, if you don't believe that, then go see it. Go, go see what." And and I have to be honest with you. I think that that even in my own life, I heard from God that I was supposed to be this youth pastor and and go tell my testimony and do all and and but it was almost like God said, "You need. If you don't believe me, go see it." You know, and he started bringing things into my life. That's the great thing about our Father God is he loves you so much. Even when you don't believe what he's called you to, he'll begin to set you up anyway. Like I really felt like God said, write a book about your life so that you can help other people break free from addictions. And so I'm like, I can't write. And the first thing that came to my head, you know what it was? First thing that came to my head was my English teacher. In 10th grade, my English teacher looked at me. And she said, you need to go over to carpentry class. And I, I'm like, you listen, if you know anything about me, the last place I need to be is near a hammer or anything like that. You know what I mean? I'm just not one of those people, you know? My wife's like, something's wrong with the car. It's making noises. I'm like, turn up the radio. I don't know. I can't. I don't know how to fix that, you know? Just turn up the radio so you don't hear it. And so um, I don't know how to fix things, you know? And so, um, but she said, you need to go a carpentry class. This is my English teacher. I said, why? And she goes, because you're literally the worst writer I've ever seen in my life. Like, your grammar is horrible, and you have the worst penmanship I've ever seen. And I'm like, well, I'm on drugs. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) what do you want? But when I felt like the Lord said, I want you to write a book, you know what I heard? 10 years later, even though it was 10 years later, I heard my English teacher in my ear, You are the worst writer I've ever seen. And so God said, I want you to write a book. And I'm like, Whatever. <laughs> and it was almost like God, like Gideon, said, Hey, listen, if you don't believe it, I'll show you. And he brought in this lady. It was so weird. This 70 year old lady comes into our youth ministry. She's literally, and she goes, I'd like to volunteer in the youth ministry. And she's like, Little 70 year old lady. And I was like, Oh, she wants to volunteer. That's so sweet. You're never going to relate to these kids, lady. Like, never. I had no idea. You know what I mean? I just judged a book by the cover. And honestly, Norma Jean has become one of the greatest youth pastors I know. She's still at the church I was at in Oklahoma. Uh, but I said, what do you do for a living? She goes, actually, believe it or not, I don't tell a lot of people. And I said, why? And she said, uh, it's just people don't understand it. And I said, well, what do you do? And she said, I ghostwrite. I've ghostwritten 70 books. And I'm like, what? God just told me to write a book. And she's like, well, let's do it. What are you scared of? And I'm like, well, I was told I was the worst writer in the world. So So it was like God showed me. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so I did. I wrote a book. I wrote a book. I published a book. I published a book, and it's a cool book. It's a good book, and, and what I learned was, is even though I'm a really bad writer, there's these things called editors, <laughs> and they are awesome people, and so she would like edit my book, and I'd be, I'd be reading my book, and I'm like, that's not even a word, and I'd Google it. And it was really a word, and she made me sound smart, so I published my book, and the first person that got my book when it came off the press, my English teacher, I mailed it to her. I was like, and I signed it, from the worst writer in the world. <laughs> so God says to Gideon, he says, he says, go, if you don't believe me, if you don't believe you, can, can you imagine? Have you ever seen something so big that you're like, I could never do that. And God said, go, if you don't believe me, just go. Go see. I'll prove it to you. So he goes down, and this was the part that hit me. There's all these bad people, and the one of them comes out of it, and he says, "He says I had this weird dream." And his friend goes, "What's the dream?" He said, "This this loaf of barley bread rolled down the hill and took out the tent." And the other guy goes, "Oh my goodness, that's Gideon. Gideon's going to destroy us. The camels are far. They're." We have we have millions of camels, but he's gonna kill them all. Poor camels. And I, I read this and I said, this guy's a bad guy. Like he's not he's not interpreting God's dream, is he? Like, what's going on here? That like this guy isn't like a prophet or something, is he? How is he interpreting this dream? What is it about this dream that he could interpret it this way so quickly? Like it just hit him, like just just boom, like, hey there it is. Like, it's Gideon. And the other guy was like, "Whoa, it's Gideon. He's going to kill us. And Gideon's in the bushes with his, and he's like, oh my goodness. They already see that I'm coming. That's the great thing about God is like when he calls you to do something, he's already, you don't have to worry about tomorrow. He's already there preparing the way. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's already there. And, and this is what I learned. I went and read this I went and read and and studied into this barley loaf, and and here's the thing about this barley loaf. I just pictured this like, because I'm a like I said I'm a foodie, so I pictured like Texas Roadhouse bread like rolling down the hill with the butter, <laughs> and I'm just chasing it like yeah. That was what that's what would destroy me. I just lay there. That's how you would beat me. I would just lay there and eat the bread until I die. You know anybody else do that at Texas Roadhouse? It's unbelievable. Their steaks aren't even that good. I just go for the bread. <laughs> you know, and so. Um, And so I'm like, what is it? And so I read in the barley loaf in this verse, the text here, actually means that it was the, the cheapest and lowest of bread that humans didn't even eat this barley loaf. It was literally just leftovers that they put together and they fed it to their dogs. They fed it to their dogs. That's what this barley loaf meant. So literally this guy saying, hey, yo, I saw this like dog biscuit rolling down the hill. I saw this dog biscuit rolling down the hill, and it destroyed us. Isn't that weird? And he goes, dog biscuit? Dog biscuit? That's, that's Gideon, old dog biscuit from the town next door. You know what I'm talking about? Gideon. He's like, oh, my goodness, dog biscuit's going to kill us? Like, literally, Gideon was known as the youngest and weakest brother from his clan. Gideon was known as somebody that you didn't have to be afraid of. Gideon was known as the least of the least. Like, these guys weren't dream interpretators. They were literally looking at this piece of dog food, and they're like, that's Dog Biscuit, the guy we used to make fun of. He's he's about to destroy us. Kind of reminds me of Jesus in John chapter 1 when he was rounding up his disciples and they said, it's Jesus. It's Jesus of Nazareth. He's coming to save the world. And Philip says, Nazareth? What in the world? What good? That's what it says in the Bible. You can read it. What good could come from Nazareth? What good could come from Nazareth. Jesus came from the least place in the entire, you understand what I'm saying? Like, what good could come from that? He was a Gideon too. It was like, it's like God, if you go through the Bible, you just begin to get surprised by all the Gideons, all the least, of, all the dog biscuits that God uses. You see, but Jesus walked in a way that he understood I want you to get this. It did not matter where Jesus was from. It really didn't even matter where Jesus was going. Jesus wasn't powerful because of where he came from or where he was going. He was powerful because he knew who he was. Gideon didn't destroy the Midianites because he was the weakest. He didn't destroy the Midianites even because he saw that he was going to. He destroyed the Midianites because he began to realize who he was in God. You see, people called him Dog Biscuit. God called him the Conqueror. People called Moses the Stutterer. God called him the person that would speak freedom. People called Noah a drunk. God called him the person that would save humanity. me your name again. Rebecca. Rebecca, if I were to put you in a rocket, like a real rocket, wouldn't that be cool? I went to space camp as a kid. I love rockets. If I were to put you in a rocket and say, I'm going to send you into outer space, and you would begin to go into outer space, and I said, "Okay, we're going to go really fast. So, if I were to get you to about halfway to speed the light—I mean, speed the light—that's that's, that's uh, assembly of God's term. If I were to get you speed of light, <laughs> the speed of light, halfway to about the speed of light, um, you would um, you would literally travel if you traveled about half the speed of speed of light. Okay, out into outer space. When we lived 20 years, you would only live 10." Because as you get closer to the speed of light, time actually begins to stand still. Did you know that? And then as you get closer to the speed of light, literally mass and matter begins to protrude forward. So mass, so you would begin to change as you got faster. You would begin to protrude forward. That's why I always tell people, I'm not fat. I'm just moving really fast. (laughs) You didn't see me. I just ran across the building. And then as you would hit speed of light, time would literally, instead of speeding up, would stand still. It's scientifically proven. So literally, time can stand still. And this is the great thing about Jesus, is is Jesus says, when Abraham was, I am. He wasn't speaking bad English. He was saying, I'm above all time. I can do it. Even scientifically, I can do it. I'm above all time. So literally tonight, Jesus is above all time. So literally tonight, even though people may have said something about you, even maybe though you've looked at, at a situation in your life or where you're from or, or, or what somebody's spoken over you. You see, people spoke over me everything. He's crazy. He's a drug addict. He failed as a father. There's something wrong with him. There is no way. I still have people to this day in Philadelphia that go, There is no way he can be a pastor. I've been a pastor for 13 years, and they're still saying, There's no way he can be a pastor. There's just no way. What a mess up. I can't wait. I'm going to wait till he messes up again. But see, I understand something. I understand that my Jesus is above all time, and literally tonight, 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 because he's above all time, I want you to understand something. He went and died on the cross for you. Do you understand that? Like when he died, you were in his mind. He went and died. And and listen, if, if, if salvation meant that all it meant was that I get to accept Jesus into my heart, and because of that, I'm forgiven for my sins. That'd be good enough for me. But see, I need you to understand something. This salvation is more than a fire escape. It's more than a forgiveness of sins. God's called you to thrive. God's called you to be something more. And, and, and this is the great thing about the Bible, I don't know if you know, this good news in the gospel, but not only does he forgive you of your sins. See, when I was a kid, I used to think there was going to be a tape. I thought there was going to be a tape. And when I get to heaven, Jesus would push play. And all of my stuff that I've done in my life would begin to play. And my mom and my grandmother would be there. I'd be like, let me explain that one. <laughs> but the Bible says that when when you accept Jesus into your life, that your sins are remembered no more. So if there was a tape, it's been erased. That's good news. That's good news. But it gets better. It gets better. Check this out. The Bible says that when you accept Jesus into your life, that he clothes you in his righteousness. So not only does he forgive you of everything you've ever done, forget everything you've ever done, but he clothes you in his righteousness so that when you stand before God, you look as good and as holy and as righteous as Jesus himself. You've been clothed. So when I get to heaven, I'm going to look like Jesus and God's going to go, wow, you're, you, you're that good. I'm going to be like, hey, you wrote the book, man. I mean, I'll take it, you know. Jesus, like a magnet. It's really unbelievable because he's above all time. Jesus, like a magnet, hangs from the cross. And he can literally see you as you sit in this room tonight. He can literally see you as he hangs from the cross. Because there is no time with Jesus. And all of your dirt and all of your junk and everything upon your life that you have right now, everything that people have spoken over you, like a magnet, he literally takes all of that and he puts it onto himself and he dies for you. And he says, you don't need any of that. I'll take that. You take what I want to give you. And if you would bow your heads with me, I'm finished. i You see, now when people say, weren't you a drug addict? Isn't that, isn't that Jeremy the dog biscuit? Isn't that the failure as a father? I get to say, no, 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 no. Maybe that's what people called me, but God calls me a son. I've been forgiven, and I can live my dreams. I don't even think I'm that good. I get to travel all over the country, and I still feel like a dog biscuit sometimes. I don't think I'm that great of a speaker. I got kicked out of a green room the other week because they thought I was a criminal. I'm like, no, I'm the guest speaker. (laughs) I don't have the cool youth pastor hair a little chubby. I have tattoos. I'm blind. I have metal in my foot so I can't run. I grew up a poor kid in Philadelphia that nobody's ever handed me anything. But see, because of Jesus, I'm a really good father now. I have three beautiful kids, one on the way. I'm a good pastor. Because of Jesus, I get to travel around, and this year I'll speak to probably 40,000 young people. Because of Jesus, I got to write a book, even though people said I was the worst writer in the world. Because of Jesus, I've lived my dreams. And I'm 37 years old. My mission now is to come back to young people and say, listen, I did it, you can too. Not because of what people have said, not because of what you see yourself as, but because of what Jesus sees you as. See, Jesus sees you as valuable enough to go to the cross and he's there right now and he's simply saying whatever you think disqualifies you, let me take it. I don't stand before you a perfect preacher right now. I still have sin in my life because nobody's perfect. But Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And whatever you may think of me tonight, I love you, but I don't care. Because I know God sees me not as a dog biscuit, but as a conqueror, as a warrior, as somebody that can say, yeah, I came from some of the poorest and worst parts of America that you've ever seen, but it doesn't matter because God believes me enough to use me. And there's some of you in this room that tonight you showed up here and you're thinking, wow, what could God ever do with me? I know I've been called to my school. I know I've been called to to change a generation. Uh, Maybe I feel like there's even some of you in this room that you don't even think you can be a Christian. You haven't worshiped well enough in your life because you're afraid to stand in his presence. But let me tell you tonight, doesn't matter what you see yourself as. You need to begin to see yourself how God sees you. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.